Join Jeanette as she educates owners how to continue empowering their puppies to ensure they become balanced and fulfilled dogs. Good morning. Welcome to the Friday Show. I'm Jeanette. I'm Jenna. And we are with 40 Kennels. And today we're going to talk about what the first three days of having a new puppy should look like. Yeah, it's really important when you take home your puppy that you have the first three days really kind of set up and comfortable for the puppy to make it as smooth as transition as possible. So we're going to cover those three things. And then, of course, if you have any questions for Jenna or I today, where is our chat box? Where did it go? I got to push this one. Okay. Oh, yeah, there we are. Good morning, Janelle. Jean, Kathleen, good morning, you guys. Drop in and let us know you're watching and where you're watching from. We are in Nevada, right? If you don't know, we're 63 miles from McCarran Airport, the Las Vegas International Airport. So out of Las Vegas, but not terribly far. Good morning. Should we start the first three things? Should we? Yeah, we could. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. All right, let me grab our slide. Little River, South Carolina. Good morning, Tay. Good morning, good morning. We haven't seen you guys in a while. Hope everything is going well. California, Janelle. Is that, are you by, we're getting a lot of smoke from California right now. Janelle, are you by forest fires? You know, we're on the border of California and Nevada. We're fairly close to Death Valley. The mountains I can see right here from my window is California. So we are right on. We can ride our horses, our horses. Jenna can ride our horses to the state line and the boys ride their motorcycles. And it is, oh my gosh, so much smoke. Really, really bad. So definitely, yeah, you're by the fires. Well, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody in California. Definitely uh, feel the small effects of the Crazy, crazy smoke. It's a Henderson. Henderson. There you go. Yeah. Cheryl, California. Good morning from Canada. Good morning. Where did I see? Good morning, Colleen. Good morning. Good morning. Two more days. One more day. (laughs) One more day. Oh my gosh. All right, Susan, how great to give everyone this info. I sure could have used it. Yeah. So let's talk about what the first three days should look like. I think that we have good intentions. Well, I know we have good intentions. And some of the things that we do actually make matters worse. So we'll talk about the first three days. Don't forget to talk about food and treats. They shouldn't be giving a bunch of treats and food and everything. So that's not on my slide. I have a slide. All right. Should we pull it over? Okay. Yes. It's going to cover us up. Here we go. Woo! The first three days should look like when you take your puppy home. Number one, lots and lots of sleep. To wake a sleeping puppy. That is so important. We do not realize how much sleep a puppy needs. And God love our little puppies. They'll try to keep up with us. Lots and lots of sleep. The rule that I ask my clients is kids cannot wake a sleeping puppy. Hands off. When they're sleeping, you cannot wake them up. I think it's important to have a private safe space for puppies to sleep too. If they're they're constantly getting picked up and they're constantly being handled and they're trying to sleep and they're overtired. That's they when they become naughty. They do become naughty. They can't help it. It's just like a toddler that gets overtired and they start throwing tantrums and you're like, oh my gosh, it's nap time. We're running late. It's the same thing for puppies, even though we don't necessarily know that. And so when they get overtired, they'll mouth more. They could start growling and getting crabby. They could spin up and 
act out of control, not their normal zoomies, but like just good grief, like what has gotten into you, you've got to make sure they get lots of naps. Puppies sleep though. Initially, right at eight weeks, they could be up for an hour or two and then sleep for four or five hours. Up for an hour or two, sleep for four or five hours. Like they do more sleeping than they should be awake. And we don't honor that. And like, this is because we just don't know. And the puppies will do their very, very best to keep up with us. And we're so excited to bring home our new puppy. We want to spend time with them that it's hard, but it is so important. And it translates to health as well. If they get overtired, they get more stressed, they get more stressed. We start dealing with stomach issues. And so and really, really ensuring that lots and lots of sleep that has to be implemented, that has to be talked about before you bring home a puppy. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> he sounds sniffly today. Yeah. Sniffly, sniffly. All right. Just woke up. Yeah, she did. I'm like, Jenna, get up and do the Friday show with me. Right? Oh, yeah. Portland, Oregon. Okay. So number two, let's talk about number two. The first three days needs to look like number one. We just talked about lots and lots of sleep. Number two, keep the puppy home and no visitors. Keep the house stress-free and calm. Why, Jenna? Because they don't, they're in a new place, they don't trust you yet, and for you to bring more people into the house can make them very stressed out. Yeah, you know, think about, they've left everything they know, the smell of their home, their mom, their littermates, their humans, their other pack members, other dogs that the breeder may have, they've left everything. The smell of the house, the sounds of the house, and they go home with you, they're ready but everything has changed. They have a whole new den. They have a whole new pack. They have a new outside. So, so much change. And then I know we're excited and we want to show everybody our puppy, but it's not the time. They don't even know you yet. So spend three days really making sure you start building a foundation of, of trust and respect with your puppy before you start handing them off and bringing a bunch of other people in. You're just stacking stress. And when we stack too much stress, they get too stressed out and then they again come back to GI upset. The most common issue people have when they take home their puppy is diarrhea and stomach issues. And I have learned over time, there's a lot of things we can do differently to avoid a lot of those stomach issues. Number one is managing stress and sleep appropriately and then how we feed. And we'll talk about that next. Right? Anything else about that? Yeah, yeah. Just think about it from their point of view. They don't even know you yet, like Jenna said. They don't trust you. They don't know you. There's no bond. Start establishing that and laying that foundation within your own home and your own pack, essentially first, before you just start bringing in other people and adding to the commotion. All right, good. If you guys have any questions, go ahead and ask, and we'll be answering them as well. Good morning, everybody. Just joining us. We are live outside of Las Vegas here at Forty Kennels, talking about. Three things you should do when bringing home your, the first three days, there's more than three things, the first three days should look like. Okay. And number three, lots of positive praise, but remember rules, boundaries, and limitations are important. Start kettle trading, potty trading, and make sure to set up a schedule. Yeah. It's really important that you talk as a family, what are the rules going to be? It is absolutely not fair to a puppy be like, I just got the new puppy. I want to sit and hold them. I were watching a movie and Jeanette said they need to sleep and they're sleeping right on my chest and I'm so happy. But tomorrow, starting tomorrow, no couch, no couch. Not fair. Like I tell baby, you came to me for a smart puppy to 
don't undermine how smart they are. Like they're going to call you on that and it's going to make things harder. And you do not want to start your relationship off with your puppy being an inconsistent leader, right? It's going to be hard for them to trust and respect you when one day you're like, yeah, you can be on the couch. In fact, I have you on my lap and tomorrow you can't be on the couch and I'm getting in trouble by dad for being on the couch and mom lets me be on the couch. You also have to have consistent rules between the humans. So as a family, if there's more than one person raising this puppy, sit down and talk about what are the rules going to be and what are the names? What are you going to name things? So like if you have one person saying when they jump up down and you have another person saying off, they don't know yeah. which one means what. So write down what commands you want to teach your puppy. We have a video, the seven commands all dogs should know. You can go back and watch that at 4ekennels.com. Click on videos. So we have the seven commands every every dog should know. But make sure you're naming them the same thing, even at kennel. If one person says kennel and one person says go home or go to prison or go to jail. <laughs> I have My sister calls it jail. She tells her, go to jail. And they go into their kennel. So make sure things are consistent with your words. They don't know English. You have to teach the association to the word. The two words that all of our puppies do know going home are what? They put you on the spot. Yes. Yeah. What does that mean? Yes means you can do it. You're brave. Yeah. So and you got this. Yeah, and you got this. So when yes. you're working with your puppy, when we're working with them through curriculum, we use the word yes. It's an empowering word, letting our puppies know, giving them a verbal indicator, a verbal marker that you're safe, you're fine, you could trust me, you can approach. Yes, you're brave. Yes, you can do it. Look at you go. So as they're working through curriculum and they have that high approach and they're brave, even if they startle and then they approach something or they accomplish a tunnel or we're trying to get them through an obstacle course, we're saying, yes, yes, good job. Yes, you can do it. And they start to associate that word with trust and fun. It's an incredibly powerful word for a puppy. So our puppies, that's been established. So when you take your puppy home for 40 kennels and other badass breeders, when you say that's a word you can use at home. So that even the first time you bring them home and you put them down and they're exploring when they go explore something, let them know, yes, you're good. Yes, you're fine. Yes, you're brave. Good job. You can do it. And use that verbal praise and they get so proud of themselves and they'll understand that word. So it's incredibly powerful. And the other word they'll know going home the puppy puppy recall. Yeah, the puppy 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 recall. It's a life saving command. It's not to be used as a come command. You know, we tell our clients they can't be outside and you ask them to come in and there's a negative consequence because we're out having fun, right? So come, telling them to come here is different than the life saving puppy 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 call. It's an imprinted emergency recall that we start when they start eating their food. And so we've trained our other badass breeders to do the same thing. When we start feeding them the mush, we're just like, puppy, puppy, come on. And we're just imprinting that. So that to the high forest, that associates 100% reward, 100% party, 100% food, whatever. But you've got to continue practicing that as that and not use it, overuse it. Don't use it as a come command. And we send home a handout in your puppy packet to teach you how to continue reinforcing that life-saving command. We have had clients use this to save their dog's life. They get out, they slip out the front door, they slip out the car, people start to panic, you know, your dog took off and they just bent down and puppy, 
puppy, puppy. Just make sure, just I always say the disclaimer, if they run across the street with cars, don't call them back across because then a car could hit them. So you've got to get across the street first before you do the recall. Don't ever call them back into traffic ever, please. So look, everybody's dog. That's right. Where where are all my dogs? Puppy, puppy, come on, let's go. Puppy, look at you. I know, it's mama number one. Not a girl, not a boy. Yes, I know. We see the dog that was raised here at 40 Kettles. That's a good boy. Oh, Hannah Halo. Yeah, that's a good boy. Was not raised here, but she knows. She, <laughs> she knows. All right, the puppy, puppy, puppy recall truly, truly can, can save your dog's life. Remember, it's not a come command, it's not to be used with any kind of negative association. Always, always positive. I know. It's like you called me when you want. I know. All right, was that a Rules, boundaries, limitations. We're back on that. If you're going to kennel train, put them in the kennel night one. You know, don't think, well, I'll have them sleep on the bed tonight and then we'll go to the kennel. So make sure as, <laughs> as a family, all of your words match and rules match and have a set, you know, where's the kennel going to be? And even what door are you going to take them out to go potty? Like, you know, I've clients call and say, oh my gosh, we're having such a heck of a time with potty training help. And I like, I'm like, explain what's happening. How are you managing? What's your structure? What's your setup for potty training? Oh, and then come to find out like kids are taking them out the front door. Husband's taking them out the door out of the master room. Mom's taking the puppy out the back door. Like, whoa, way too much space, way too confusing, way too much for a puppy. Think, keep things small, contained, structured, and get them on a schedule. So, Jean, good question. If they weren't raised with the puppy command, how do we start incorporating that? You can teach any dog. It would be you're going to teach it very similar to the come command. So we want to make sure hundred percent, they don't have the choice not to come. So I recommend getting like a 40 foot long lead and going out in your backyard or even around your house, let them get distracted. Do the puppy, puppy, puppy. You reel them in a hundred percent reward and party. Okay, go ahead and go. Like we never contain once they come to us. Of course, if you're like out chasing your dog, then you wouldn't, you'd bring them home, but make sure no matter what, it's always positive because look at it from a dog's point of view. Mom, you called me to come and I did. And now you're mad at me. You're mad because I came because that's the way it looks to a dog, right? So like if you're, the dog's running around in the backyard and you're calling them and they're not coming and you get frustrated, we're human. We do. We're like, what the hell? Like this dog's not coming to us. We're calling them and calling them and you're frustrated and you're running late for work and you've got things to do. The dog finally comes and then, you know, you're mad and they can feel that you literally just are training them and show them when you come to me, it's a negative, it's negative, right? And so keeping that in check always, I understand your man are frustrated, but when the dog comes to you, it has to still be positive and a reward. Thank you for coming, even though it took 30 minutes. And then that's your cue to do more training. That's just a reflection of lack of training, lack of consistency. The come command is the hardest to teach. And the come and the puppy puppy, I know I'm a little off track, but I think this is really important to talk about. The come command is the hardest to teach and mainly because we don't reinforce it and we don't teach it right. And yeah. they're just some younger puppies are just not capable of having higher distraction and then to come. And then the problem is, and there's negative consequences, right? Like you're mad at me or you put me back in a kennel or you took me to a vet. So we have to be really, really careful and a hundred times, a thousand times just 
practice the come command on a long lead. So number one, they do not have the option not to come. If they do, if you're out there yelling in the yard, come, come on, forest, come, forest, come, you're actually teaching them, mom has to say the command 30 times before I come. But that's not what we're trying to do, right? But that's exactly what we're doing. Like we're not communicating correctly with our dogs. It's us. It's not the dog. And so getting them on a long lead. So number one, they do not have the opportunity to fail. I will never call a dog to come to me if I haven't trained it, reinforced it, practiced it, proofed it. Because I'm only setting them up to fail. I've only then taught them. Actually, it doesn't really matter if I listen to you. So I would never, with a new puppy, if they're out in the backyard, I would never call them to even come to me. I would go get the puppy. I would try to get a ball or a toy, do something else. Because I don't even want them to have the opportunity not to listen to me. Because I'm then I'm setting up a foundation of trying to fix, trying to fix. So long lead. Practice and practice and practice over and over and over different places, different distractions, different distance. The three Ds of training, distance, duration, distraction. So how long in between calling them to come, how long they get from you and what is the distraction and build up to it. You're not going to go in a huge high distraction with a young puppy and expect them to come to you. Like it's like taking a toddler or a young child into a candy store. Like you cannot expect them to not touch things. They're just not capable yet. And our puppies just aren't either. So, you know, I practice the come command for months. I wouldn't even say it's truly, truly reliable until a dog is two. Did you hear that? Like that's insane. But until the brain and the focus and you've practiced and proved it enough and you've not given them chance after chance to fail and messed up this whole command. Sometimes I come, sometimes I don't. Sometimes when I do, mom's mad. Sometimes she's not. Sometimes she takes me somewhere good. Sometimes she doesn't. Like we are so inconsistent in the way that we manage our dogs that it causes behavior problems. So long lead. And I just well practice. Come, come on, come, come, come on for us. Come on, let's go. Come, 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 come on, actually. let's go. Come. And then I'll get down to like just one time. But if they don't, I just start reeling them in. Like they don't have a choice and they start to associate that. Like, Shoot. I heard that I have to come because that- every single time they did. And then it's hundred percent puppy party high value reward, let them go again. (laughs) Exactly. We don't contain because they learn by release of pressure. So pressure, pressure, yay, yay, yay. But you can't contain to me, release of pressure. Good job. You did it. Go. And then you make it a game. And then you know what you start to find is puppies think it's fun to come to you. (laughs) It's like you're the truth dispenser, right? Like you've hung the moon and the stars. And every time I come to mom, I get a treat and I get to go run and play again. And then I come check up and then they start doing it. Even if you're not practicing and rehearsing it, like you'll just be outside in the backyard and they'll come check on you. And I just reward them for that. Like, why aren't you rewarding your puppy for that? Coming and looking at you, giving you focus. Good. Yes. Okay. Now go play again. But every time they come to me, it's positive. They're given a treat and they're rewarded for it. Like it's truly, truly powerful thing to do. And then now with Forrest, he could be on the other side of the property right now. Forest. Yeah, she has a cute and little he'd come dog. Running. She has yeah. like it's almost Forest. like Yeah, that's when he comes to and he knows like actually he will you. stop what he's doing for a year and come running because oh. every single time it's like party. Like, oh my gosh, it's party time, and that's what you want. So when Forrest be out with that, another dog, I'll be like, yeah. It doesn't matter running. if he's out with the, the goat, another dog, this dog, well, you'll have to get that on camera and show people. I've gotten like slow mo's of him just I and know, he's so fast. Like, so you'll have like to that. get it before you even call him and be like, Okay, there he is. 
way across property. I'm going to recall. So that's how we teach the come command. Now doing the puppy, puppy, puppy imprinting is fairly similar, but you know, we start that when they're younger and you can still start to imprint that. You're really teaching it's a version of the come command. But it's really in the same way in which the come command should be trained initially. And then later, come means you don't have an option. You need to come. And there could be negative consequences. Like it's just the reality. You could be contained. You could have a leash put on you. You could go into your kennel and you you will comply. You know, you will be obedient. So it takes time and practice and we don't put enough time and effort into it. And that's the problem when people complain like, my dog never comes to me. All I hear is you haven't taught it. You haven't enforced it and you're not communicating correctly with your dog. And why should your dog come to you? Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's clearly a reason why they're tuning you out because you haven't laid the foundation yet. And then ultimately you want that mutual respect with your dog. And they just come because you asked and your mama or your dad. And that's just the relationship that you have. So puppy, puppy, puppy was amazing with Wanda. Yeah. You have to text me. Let me know how she's feeling today. We've got a, a puppy not feeling well, and vets are baffled, and that's incredibly frustrating. So, still thinking of you guys every day. Check in and let me know how she's doing today. Amanda, we are currently in teething biting phase. We're trying to distract, but Annie thinks we are playing. Okay, so how are you distracting? So if you're using your hands, any kind of movement entices the play play oh, yeah. drive. Like, <laughs> you want to play with me? Yeah, so if you're distracting by actually escalating the play, then yeah, you're playing. So teething, biting phase, stop moving, hands up under armpits, turn your butt to them. Same thing we tell kids, freeze like a tree. Stopping movement is a really, really powerful way to communicate with dogs. When they give a correction or a warning, they freeze, right? If there's any kind of movement, it's play. You know, that's what entices play, prey, drive is movement. So if you're taking your hand down and shaking a toy, even like trying to distract them, you're, you really are communicating with play more, play more. Same thing when we push a dog off of us, to, when they're jumping on us, think about how dogs play. Do they use their paws? No, they use their mouth. Yeah, but do they use their paws? Think about how much yeah, they well, snap yeah. their, yeah. Yes, they use their paws all the time and they come off when they're playing. Do they come off their front two paws, legs? Yeah, yeah. right? They'll buck, basically, they'll play, they'll wrestle. And so in their language, when they jump and we use our hands and push back, we're literally telling them to jump and play more. Literally. Literally. <laughs> I wonder why. Are you telling this dog to get down? No, you're not. You keep telling your dog, jump more, jump more. Play with me. Put your hands away. I stomp into their space and stare and freeze when they jump on me. Try it. Highly effective. Put your hands away. It may take a few times if your dog keeps, you know, if your dog's been doing it for years or even months, they're going to be a little confused at first. But like you literally just march right into their space. Like the dog jumps on me. I just march. I just become march, 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 march. I don't touch them. I don't push. I don't use my hands. Yeah. I mean, I made like this. And then I stand and I freeze. I'm like, you want to jump on me again? Because when you come into my space, I am going to push back and let you know there are boundaries and limitations here. Like you cannot jump on me. So it really comes down to we're trying our best and we just don't know better. You know, we're communicating to them the way we know how as humans, our natural ability, our instincts, and they're canines. You know, we're different species. And, and I think 
we really do tend to forget that because they are so intuitive and so smart and they have so incorporated in our life and we love them more than most people. And we forget though, that to truly honor them and respect them, we have to remember to communicate to them in their language as well. And that's the most humane thing we can do is communicate to them in a way that makes sense to them and not us. So learning that is really powerful. Then Amanda, did you tell me what you're doing to stop biting? I always taught my kids to stand like a statue. Everything stops. Yeah. We say freeze like a tree and teach kids hands up under the armpits and you turn your backside to them. Dogs understand that language. When puppies in a litter, like we always have the one little bully, right? Or the always the instigator constantly like, will you wrestle with me? Will you wrestle with me? Will you wrestle with me? And it's truly fascinating to watch as soon as the other puppy's done, they turn around. Like, and the other puppy knows right away, like, oh, they're done. Like they turned around and they froze. I'm like, highly powerful, right? So turn around and freeze. It's a great way. Dogs understand you are absolutely avoiding and ignoring and you no longer want to engage. Now, your dogs that are more assertive, more strong-willed, we'll try again. They'll come just ar- keep turning. Just, <laughs> come just around keep in turning. the front or they'll bite your leg. And you better correct that behavior and then turn back around. I ah. So that's why I think it's so important to do puppy evaluations too, because we can help clients guide them for those people that don't want that super strong, well-assertive, confident dog that will challenge boundaries more. We can see that in eight weeks, those puppies, those are our service dogs. Like they need to have the balls enough to make decisions that will save someone's life. They need to have the confidence and the wherewithal and the determination. Like those are brilliant traits, but not for everybody. (laughs) I personally don't want to have a dog that constantly challenges. I love the softer temperamented puppies for a pet. So it all depends what you're looking for. You know, people ask, well, what's your favorite puppy? I'm like, well, it depends. What am I picking for? tell me what I'm picking for. And then I would tell you my favorite dog, if that's trying a service dog, it would be that one. If I want a pet for me, it would be this one. If I wanted, you know, whatever, a pet for my parents, it would be that one. It'd be the same for my parents and me. I do like the lower energy, lower sort of lower confidence. Jenna likes the little higher energy, more confident. Yeah. Yeah. She she likes the the little pistols. She's young. Jean, yes, I just got a long leash yesterday. Everybody should have a long leash. We should put this on our favorite page. If you get a puppy, you should have a long lead. You can make one. I remember when I was in college and I was training my dog, Nala, that I talk about in my book. I didn't have the money to go buy a long leash. And so I went to Home Depot and bought a clip and a 40 feet of rope and tied the rope to the little clip. And that was my long lead. Like, you don't need anything fancy, but they're not that expensive anymore. Like they weren't like easily readily available, you know, right? You go on Amazon right now and type in long dog lead, get a 30, 40 footer. And as your dog gets older, you can let them go 20, 30, 40 I don't feet. like about long leashes. Yeah. They get tangled, tangled up. Everything. They do. They get tangled up. And it's, it's kind of a messy training session, especially if you're working with more distraction and there's bushes or trees in the and way. And they'll come, look around there, they'll come back running to you and they go on the opposite. Just let go of the long lead then. If they're coming towards you and you feel 100% confident they're going to come to you, then let go of it so it doesn't cause, you know, it's a, like jerking back. Which would be a consequence, right? 
So, and then if that happens, you know, and it's an accident, just go running to them and make it like, oh, it's a big puppy party and make them forget about it immediately with a piece of hot dog or something. Like, like don't remember, you just got clotheslined by whatever, rock or, yeah, right? Oh my gosh. Hi, Valerie. Valerie says hi. All right, good. Any other questions? And then we'll talk about feeding that puppy and what I mean by that. Another thing, the first three days for sure, and I even think the first nine weeks, eight to nine weeks, puppies should be using their kibbles treats for a couple different oh, reasons. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Even for my one-year-old, I still... Use a food. Yeah. Yeah, they should love their food. Nothing in life is for free. So do training sessions before you feed and use their kibble so they're more motivated and they're hungry. Yeah, and then also focused. when we're doing like big things, I will bring some treats, but... I use this kibble for Yeah. So like if Jenna is working them in the house, she's going to use her kibble. It's low distraction. If I'm out in public, I'll use their actual treats. Then she'll use treats. And so, but initially treats should not be something you go buy when you get a new puppy. You don't even need to buy treats. Use their food and make them earn their food or do training sessions, right? We're they accommodating a dog. Food. Yeah. They're hungry. They're motivated. They're focused. So let's do a training session before breakfast with their kibble. And then if I don't end up using all their food for training, then I'll ask for you know, even something as simple as eye contact or sitting and then give them food, right? So I'm not rewarding the crazy. If they're spinning and barking at me, I'm not going to drop a bowl of food. I'll just stand there and wait. I want to mark the behavior of calm and focus the minute they sit. And you have to be instant. You only have three seconds. Yeah. You only have three seconds to correct or, or reward. Like, oh, they don't even remember. They don't they, remember you guys. They, so if they're, you come home and there's poop or pee on the floor, you can't scold them. them. Yeah. They and don't if you know do come in yelling, people, everyone's like, oh, my dog knew. No, they didn't know. But what they do know is you're mad. And that's what they're reacting to, not the poop or the pee. And you're not going to take your puppy over and rub their nose in it. You guys, they think you're stupid. They know what their poop and pee smells like. And you're rubbing their nose in it. They're literally thinking this is the most unreliable leader. And you're losing respect. All right. Don't rub a puppy's nose in it. You cannot correct them unless you catch them doing it. Just clean it up. It's a loss on you, not them. That, that's your error, your mistake. You missed it. You gave them too much space, whatever. That's on you, not them. So you have three seconds to name and reward. So catch them doing something good and or hand out a consequence or correct. So if that puppy have three seconds to correct. Right. They forget what they did. Yeah, you can't. You just have to wait till... It happens again. Uh, so if I'm holding a bowl of food and they're, as soon as their butt hits the tile, yes, you have three seconds. So think in threes, but so no treats, use their dog food as long as possible. You don't ever want to start high because then where else can you go? If you start giving them hot dogs, where else can you go from that? Like there's just not much else. The other thing is too, when you bring a puppy home, the number one problem, what is tummy issues? So oh, yeah, on top of all the stress and change, vaccines, treats they've never had, vaccines, deworming, then they go home and people are changing their food and or giving them different treats. And I know we're excited and we buy all these different flavored treats we want to try. Bark box. Yeah, there, there's treats in yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, right. So and I know we're excited, but I'm telling you, doing more damage and good for two different reasons. They're GI upset and tummy they don't need all of that yet and then when you do want to add in treats one thing at a time for three four days and make sure they tolerated it you know it's really difficult when people message me and they say 
oh, my puppy has diarrhea. And then I find out they switched their all within a week of going home. On top of all the other stress, vaccines, dewarming, stress of leaving here, right? Then now think about it from the puppy's point of view. Everything in their life has changed. They may look like they're managing stress correctly, but it's still a lot of stress, even though it's good and it's happy and they're ready to go home. Then you've changed their food. And then I find out we've tried soups and I gave them chicken and I bought these little milk bones and I bought this and we tried this. Okay, well, no wonder the dog has diarrhea. So if we back up and we think about reducing stress, making sure they get as much sleep as possible, not too many new humans in their life, only their kibble for food and treats. Do you see what a difference that is on a tummy? I mean, it gives me a stomachache thinking about stacking stress, everything in my life changing. And eating like fast food. Yeah, and if I completely change my diet, like when you travel, like your tummy hurts, (laughs) like everything's messed up from eating all this new food and eating way too much. It's the same thing for a puppy. And so we can prevent this and make this a much smoother transition going home. So it's not just the first three days. It's really the first several weeks. I tell people if you're going to switch food, think in nines. You shouldn't switch food for nine weeks. So if you try something different, so a puppy should not be switched for nine weeks, number one. Okay. Yeah, if we saw an issue here with food, we would have let you know. But so if we see anything different going home, it could be a couple of different things, generally stress and or treats and or whatever, or parasites could end up becoming an issue. We have it taken care of here, but the stress of going home and all of the change can reactivate parasites in the gut. So you know, the other reason why we want things quiet and calm too is to make sure that their GI and their tummy and everything does stay clean as you know as much as possible. So it really is up to you to make sure things are calm. Don't overload. The only thing you should be giving them is their new vet vitamin if you do want to do that. Our dogs are on well water, so we tell people don't even do tap water, do bottled water initially, and just just their food. They they will work for their food. You don't like, want to yes. spoil. You don't pay a brand new employee the highest salary they can get on their first day of job. You start low <laughs> and move up. Yeah. That's the same with puppy treats. <laughs> yeah. When you start asking them to do more and work with more distraction, greater distance, more duration, then we need to pay higher, but not a brand new puppy coming home. Keep things stress And even once you have to pay higher, dog only do only. a little bit. Yeah, you don't need a big old chunk of hot dog. Like they will work for the teeniest, tiniest. Oh, yeah, we'll even like just great. sometimes the puppies will make it so they don't even always know. They just get to smell and lick my finger. Like if we're doing a line of commands, like they may not even actually get a piece of hot dog every single time. The reward right. is smell and lick real quick. Okay, now focus back on me. Let's keep working, and then they'll get a little chunk of hot dog that time. Next time, just a pet. So even varying, that takes a little while to get there. But you're even going to vary what the reward is and to what and extent the reward they, is. Yeah. The puppies that we have, they work for yes too. Like they love they them. do. Well that's what we've yeah, laid the foundation. Just saying yes to them when they do something good, they get so proud of themselves. They're like, oh good, that's what I was supposed to do. Yes. They get so proud. They do a little pout, proud parade. Yeah. All right, good. Well I'm excited. I'm excited to be able to hash some of those things out. I think knowledge is power. And if we can really help our puppies adjust a little bit better going home, it just makes it so much easier for them, truly. And it's easy stuff, right? I'm telling you to do less. Do less. Let them sleep more. Less. 
Save your money on treats right now. You do not need them. Do not change the food the breeder sent them home on. I don't care. Buy some new toys, though. Yeah, get some toys. I don't care if you think the food is horrible. It does not matter right now. You need to continue the dog puppy on that food for nine weeks unless there's a severe issue and you have to do a quick switch. Otherwise, buy enough for nine weeks. That's what I tell my clients. Buy enough for nine weeks. After that, I'm not a dog food snob. There's not one dog food fits all. So if you want to switch them nine weeks, and then it takes nine days to make that switch. Three days, 75, 25, 75 old food, 25% new food for three days. The next three days, 50, 50. The last three days, 25, 75, 25% old food, 75 new food. So always think in nines with dog food. Nine weeks till you switch. It takes that long to get out of the system. It takes that long to know if it's going to work. And then nine days to actually switch them. Now, who would have think, like, you've got to be so careful about switching food when they eat poop and dead animals, right? <laughs> Eating, picking up stuff off the farm. You're like, good grief. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. Happy Friday. I'm Jeanette with 40 Kennels. And I'm Jenna. And we're not only changing breeding from bad to badass, but we are healing hearts and changing life with the power of the dog. That's right. Through the power of a dog. And we're taking all of you with us. Happy Friday. Bye.